Hey everybody, my name is Aubrey and you're listening to the Faithful Millennial Podcast where I talk about Jesus, Bible prophecy, and world news in hopes to reconnect the millennials and Gen Z generation back to Jesus Christ. Thank you for being here. Hey, what's up, everybody? You are listening to the Faithful Millennial Podcast. We're on episode seven, I think. Um, I wanted to pick up where we left off from episode five because we obviously ended talking about the first half of the three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. Um, before I did that, I wanted to give a shout out to whoever it is in the United Kingdom who has been listening to every single episode like the day that it comes out. You are awesome. I don't know who you are. Um, Message me because I can tell that you're interested in the topic and I would love to know who you are. So I just want to give you a shout out and say thank you. Um, So picking up where we left off on episode five, like I said, we were talking about the seven-year Great Tribulation, specifically the first three and a half years, Um, what life on earth is going to look like during those years. Um, One thing I did forget to mention was the judgments that God puts in the earth during this time. So we did talk about them, but I didn't go into specific detail of which one was which. So I do want to make sure that I talk about that first as kind of like a pickup where we left off. But before I do that, I do want to address something that I have noticed, um, I guess a trend in the past when studying the book of Revelation. Specifically, I've gotten a few people that have inquired about, they don't understand the book of Revelation. So I'm going to break down, um, I guess what you could say is kind of an insight into what each chapter is referring to, just so you kind of have a quick synopsis of a broad overview of what you're looking at if you're reading it for the first time. So in the book of Revelation, The first three chapters are letters that the Apostle John is writing to the seven churches that Jesus tells him to write to. Most of the letters are warnings to repent of their sinful ways, you know, turn back to their first love, who is, of course, God. Um, But there's also, I think, two churches that get a letter that say, hey, good job, you know, keep up the good work, Um, like the Church of Philadelphia, for example. So then you have chapters four and five, which is where the Church of Christ is in heaven at the throne. And then you have chapters 6 through 19, where John is focusing on the actual seven-year tribulation period, also known as the time of Jacob's trouble. And chapters 10 through 14 are parenthetical chapters. And um, parenthetical is just what the name suggests. Essentially, they're passages which are inserted at the consecutive order of events as they take place. So they kind of explain events which take place along the... um, I guess you could look at a look at it as like a way of thinking of a movie where, you know, the movie will say, you know, five years later or five years before. That's kind of how chapters six through 19 are written. So they don't necessarily take place at the exact point in which they're written, but they are events that will happen during the seven year tribulation. And then you have chapter 20, which discusses Christ's millennial reign on earth, the 1000 year reign of Christ. Um, Then chapters 21 and 22 are discussing the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem that God creates for his beloved. Um, uh, Let's see here. And then the Bible ends. That's basically the last book of the Bible. I mean, that is the last book of the Bible. So that's probably the quickest overview of the book of Revelation that I can give. But I did want to just kind of lay that out for people to understand like a broader view of what we're talking about and what this series is about. Um, But... 
Now back to the judgment. So in the first three and a half years of the Great Tribulation, during the first half, you have seal judgments and then you have trumpet judgments. So let's discuss what those are and what it looks like. The first four seals we know are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We have seal judgment number one, which is the rider on the white horse. We discussed this as the, um, this is the Antichrist. Seal judgment number two, we have the red horse. Seal three is the black horse. Seal four is the pale horse. So we talked in depth about these four horsemen two episodes back on episode five. So if you want to know more about them, just refer back to that episode. We also talked about martyrdom in the tribulation period for the Gentiles and how bad martyrdom would be, which is seal judgment number five. So then we have seal judgment number six. We have a global mega quake that takes place. Um, It will be a global earthquake that triggers volcanoes, worldwide eruptions. Um, This will essentially blacken out the sky. At the same time, a huge meteor or an asteroid event occurs. Then we have seal judgment seven, the prelude to the next set of judgments. So this final seal initiates a dramatic pause in heaven. It says that there was silence in heaven for a half hour. And then it describes thunder, lightning, um, something falling from the sky, and then more destructive earthquakes. And my husband actually showed me a uh, TikTok this week that was pretty funny. It was a guy saying that um, the rapture takes place, essentially it'll take men up before women because the Bible says there was silence in heaven for a half hour. So that made me chuckle a little bit. But uh, so then we have the trumpet judgments. So the trumpet judgments, number one is hail, fire, and blood that rains from the sky. Um, With this first trumpet judgment, you find that a third of the forest and vegetation is destroyed and all the grass on the earth is destroyed too. Uh, Trumpet judgment number two, flaming mountain lands in the ocean. John says in Revelation chapter eight that something like a great mountain burning with fire is thrown into the sea. So um, this will likely ensue, you know, tsunamis, probably devastation. It says a third of the sea life and a third of the ships in the ocean are destroyed. And then we have uh, Trumpet Judgment 3, a great falling star that poisons the water. And this projectile is called Wormwood. So this could either be a nuke, it could be a large meteor. Um, Then Trumpet Judgment 4, the sun, moon, and the stars are dimmed by a third, likely the result of a fire, fiery meteor shower, you know, a giant asteroid that could cause a partial blackout. Um... Trumpet Judgment 5, a falling star opens, the abyss, also called the first woe. Um, This describes another falling star, but unlike the other objects, it's given a personality. It's given um, a key and referred to as a he. So the star could, you know, it could be Satan or it could just be another angel that God could be referring to. Um, But it's given a key to unleash the demonic locusts that sting people on earth who do not have the seal of God in their foreheads. So referring to the 144,000 Jewish virgins. Um, These demonic locusts are described also in Revelation chapter 9, where it reads, Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit, and he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit. Um, Lost my place. Smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke... Locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power, um, as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing, but those men who do not have the seal of God in their foreheads. It also says they were given, they were, 
not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. So that sounds awful. Can you imagine getting stung by a demonic locust for five months? That sounds awful. That's like, that's, and that's not even the tip of the iceberg. It gets so much worse than that. Um, Trumpet Judgment 6, four killer angels in a demonic army. So according to the Bible, there's angels bound in chains under the river Euphrates who are released during this time of the tribulation period. So these demonic angels lead a horde of 200 million to kill a third of those left alive on the earth at that time. Trumpet Judgment 7, this is the final trumpet judgment right before the bowl judgments begin. Basically, the seventh trumpet judgment, um, the goal is to usher in the bowl judgments. So now that we're all caught up, that's what happens on earth during the first three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. Definitely not a fun time, and it's actually described as the um, worst time that Earth has ever seen, which I can totally, totally see that. Um, So we're going to pick up right there, and we're going to talk about the midpoint and then the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. So at the midpoint of the tribulation, we know several things will happen according to the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. So there will be three key figures during this time. We have the Antichrist, we have the false prophet, and then the image of the beast, which causes all to get the mark of the beast, whose name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, all of which we know are controlled by Satan. So at this point, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 13 that the Antichrist will be killed. It says that he takes a wound to his head, and this ultimately does kill him. And then it says that the Antichrist is resurrected and that the whole world will see him be resurrected and that he will go Um, to Jerusalem and sit in the temple of God and claim himself to be God. He will then force the entire world to worship him as God. And at this point, you also see the introduction of the mark of the beast. What is the mark of the beast? So since COVID has happened, there's been so much speculation in regards to what what the mark of the beast is going to be. Um, Some people thought the vaccine was the mark of the beast, which obviously it's not. Some people believe that there will be a microchip you put in your hand or in your forehead um, that could be the mark. Others believe that this could look like, you know, maybe a barcode that's required by the Antichrist in order to um, enter into marketplaces and buy food. So here's what the Bible says the mark of the beast is. In Revelation chapter chapter 13, it says, I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causes the earth and them which dwell in the earth to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. So this is talking about the Antichrist. Um, And he does great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. This verse is talking about the false prophet. Uh, Verse 14. And deceives them that dwells on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound, by a sword, and he did live. So this verse is talking about how the false prophet is making an image to the Antichrist so that the world would worship the Antichrist because he was killed and now he's alive again. Um. Verse 15, and he had power to give life to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many would not worship the image should be killed. 
and he causes all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. That no man would buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Verse 18, it says, Here is wisdom. Let him that has understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. So for context, this scripture here is referring to when the Antichrist or the first beast is killed and he's resurrected again by demonic supernatural means. Then the false prophet who's able to do demonic miracles makes all the world worship the Antichrist by setting up an image of the beast. And we know from this verse here that the image of the beast that forces all people on earth whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. It also says in this passage that the image of the beast has the ability to speak and actually observe its surroundings so that it would know who has the mark and who does not have the mark. So the mark of the beast, it's a physical mark. It states here that um, it's something that's visible by the human eye. It's going to be put on your right hand or your forehead. And it will only be allowed for those people who want to go into marketplaces to buy and sell. Um, Essentially, you're not going to be able to do anything unless you have the mark of the beast during this tribulation period. And we also know that the, the mark of the beast will have a number correlated to it. The number is 666, the number of a man. Um, now, there's speculation, and my opinion, of course, th- this, is, this is my opinion, my speculation, but I believe that the image of the beast that enforces the mark could be some type of artificial intelligence, maybe like an AI system um, that has everyone's biometric data stored in like a supercomputer somewhere. And it can, you know, scan your forehead or your hand and dictate whether or not you have the mark. Um, If you do have it, then you'll be allowed into the marketplace. And if you don't have it, then you'll be killed. It's as simple as that. The Bible is clear as day. This is a literal mark. Um, If you do not have it, you'll be killed. And then I did want to point out the tech that we have nowadays is very eerie because we actually already have this tech right now in 2023. And we've actually had this for at least a decade. If you think about China, they have a social credit system. It's basically like CCTV, where you're constantly being surveilled and their surveillance keeps track of your every move inside the city, Um, you know, whatever store you go into. And all that data is fed into this like police state like system that has your name, your social credit score. It also determines, you know, if someone has access to use their bank account, if they want to use public transit, um, et cetera, you name it. They have the ability to control. Now, in China, the government can cut you off just like that. So if you say something that goes against the Communist Party, they can cut you off. Same thing here with the Mark of the Beast. It's going to be the same concept. So this tech already exists and has existed for decades. And I also want to add, um, in episode one, where I talked about the Mark of the Beast, there's a cryptocurrency that exists right now that you can actually purchase on Coinbase called XLM Stellar. And that number, if you type in XLM Stellar in a Hebrew Gematria calculator, guess what the number comes out to be? 666. So um, that is very fascinating to me. But essentially what this cryptocurrency's purpose is, is to translate one currency to another 
with little to no cost, meaning that you could turn a U.S. dollar into a yen through the superhighway of banking that's ran by this coin. If you don't believe me, you can look it up. So if you think uh, the Bible is just a bunch of made-up malarkey, then how could the Apostle John know this? How could he have known this 2,000 years ago? And I hear this question a lot. If someone has the mark, can they still be saved? Well, the Bible is very clear about this also. As soon as someone takes the mark, their destiny is sealed and that they will be thrown in the lake of fire for all eternity for taking the mark. They cannot repent of this decision. They can't be redeemed anymore by the blood of Christ. And this mark will literally seal your future. It seals your fate um, since it is a form of worship to the Antichrist. So that's the mark of the beast. Uh, Now, we also know that at the midpoint of the tribulation that the Antichrist breaks his peace treaty with Israel and the Jews, and he turns his attention to them for persecution. That's a tough word. Persecution. Um, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24 that when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet sitting in the temple of God, claiming himself to be God, run for the hills and do not turn back to get your clothes. So when the Antichrist sits in the temple of God, it seems here that he immediately directs his attention to the persecution, persecution, man, there's that word again, of the Jews. But in the book of Revelation, you actually read here, um, there's a remnant of Jews who are going to be protected during this time. So it looks like when these Jews go into the mountains, you know, where Jesus tells them to flee, um, they're actually hid from the Antichrist and they're kept safe there for a little while. So now that we know a more clear picture of what the beginning of the tribulation looks like. We know um, the events that are going to happen right in the middle of the seven years. Let's talk about the bowl judgments, which God sets. Um, is essentially the last set of judgments on earth right before the second coming of Christ happens. So the first full bowl judgment is described as this. Harmful and painful sores on people who take the mark of the beast. So if you take the mark of the beast, it doesn't specifically say, you know, three months later or six months later, you're going to get these sores. It just says you take the mark of the beast and you're going to get these painful sores on your body. Um, It could have something to do with maybe like the mark causes some sort of illness in people. It doesn't specifically state, but people will have sores. They get the mark of the beast. Then you have bold judgment too. And this is when the entire ocean turns into blood. And this actually kills all of the organisms in the ocean. So imagine how bad that would smell. Then you've got bowl judgment three, which is when all the fresh water turns to blood. So all the water sources are polluted at this point. Um, You've got bowl judgment number four, which is when the earth is scorched with intense heat from the sun. It says that people in Revelation um, chapter 16, verse nine, that people still don't repent of their sins. They still are cursing God. So the people still alive on earth during this time, um, if I had to guess, this is probably pretty far into the last three and a half years. Um, There's a high probability that these are the last people living on earth, that they're just not going to repent. They're not going to turn to Christ at this point. Um, They're probably actually cursing God for these judgments instead of saying, God, you're right. I am unholy. I am inherently evil, and I do need to be cleansed with your blood. But no, these, these are probably people um, that are stuck in an evil way. Then you have bowl judgment five. This bowl actually plunges the Antichrist kingdom into darkness. So it says that people are still cursing God at this point during this time. 
Um, bold judgment number six, the Euphrates River dries up, which we're actually already seeing the stage set for this judgment today. The average annual flow of the Euphrates River has decreased to half of its original amount. So based on the satellite images from the Euphrates River Basin, it's lost about 34 cubic miles of fresh water from 2003 to 2013. And also, this is really cool. If you look up the image of the river, Euphrates River, on Google Maps, it's in the shape of an omega sign, which is very cool because Jesus says, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. So how amazing is it that the Euphrates River, one of the most biblical rivers, um, is in the shape of the omega sign? Like, that's just so cool. Um, By the way, scientists claim that this river will be completely dried up by 2040. So that's less than 17 years from now. And then you have bold judgment number seven, which is the ultimate earthquake. It says that this final earthquake will cause entire cities to collapse and Jerusalem to split into three. Islands will sink. All the mountains will collapse in on themselves. Um, Can you imagine seeing that? That would be absolutely insane to see. And it also says 100-pound hailstones will fall on the armies that are assembled to fight against God. So let's take a pause here and just talk about how incredible God is. God's basically saying, I made you, I can take you out too to the earth. Like, can you even fathom what it would be like to live on earth during these seven years? And I think it's so funny because people will come up to me and they say that we're already in the tribulation. Like, no, there's, there's still a line for Starbucks. We're not in the tribulation period. Um, just my two cents. But anyways, back to the original program. Now that these judgments have taken place on earth and Satan, the antichrist, the false prophet, um, they're full fledged ready, or at least, you know, they think they're ready um, to get this cute little army together that they think are going to take down God now at the Battle of Armageddon. But um, right about now at this time, we're nearing the end of the seven years. So the Antichrist is persecuting Jews violently. Um, the world is literally on fire. It actually says in the book of Revelation, there will be a few armies that do try to go up against the Antichrist at the end. The Bible says that um, these armies are going to come against him. They end up actually forming a convergence in the Valley of Megiddo, where the final battle of Armageddon takes place. And this army, essentially, they're, they're attempting to war against the Antichrist, but they realize that the return of Jesus Christ is about to happen. I can imagine, like, the sky is probably opening up. There are probably thunders and lightnings going on, just like Jesus said would happen before his second coming. And they're probably realizing that they want a war against Jesus Christ instead of the Antichrist. So these armies essentially, they meet at the Valley of Megiddo, intending to war against each other, but they quickly realize that Jesus Christ is about to return. Um, It says Matthew chapter 24, verse 30, where Jesus writes, or Jesus tells the disciples, um, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great power and glory. So this is the part where Jesus Christ appears in the sky with the armies of heaven behind him. This army includes church-age believers who were raptured before the tribulation. It includes heavenly angels. It includes the tribulation saints who were martyred and killed during the tribulation period prior to this point. Um, so that's... That's basically the 
the last three and a half years, what it's going to look like. Now, there are several reasons for the physical second coming of Jesus. So reason number one, Jesus returns because he said he would. So God always fulfills his promise. He always fulfills his word. Secondly, Jesus is returning to defeat his enemies. It's written that he defeats this demonic army by just simply uttering a word from his mouth, and it literally slays them all instantly on the spot. It will be the most brutal slaughter in history, and not a single shot will be fired, essentially. That's how incredible Jesus is. Third, Jesus returns to regather and restore Israel. So the seven-year tribulation, it's a time known as Jacob's trouble. So Jesus is putting an end to the suffering of Israel once and for all. The fourth reason is for Jesus to judge the Gentile nations. The unbelievers who are alive at the time of Jesus's coming, they're going to face immediate individual judgment from him. Whew, I need to catch my breath. This is also referred to as the judgment of the sheep and the goats. Fifth reason, Jesus returns to resurrect the Old Testament and the tribulation saints in order to enter into the millennial kingdom. So believers who died before Christ came and during the tribulation, they're going to need their spirits clothed with glorified bodies, just like the ones that were given to the church at the time of the rapture. So, for example, saints like, you know, Job, Noah, Abraham, David, um, John the Baptist, they're all going to receive their glorified bodies at this point. Number six, he returns to bind Satan for a thousand years. Seven, Jesus returns to reign as the king of earth for a thousand years. This is referred to as his millennial reign, which we're going to explain in the next episode. So this is just kind of a, um, a brief overview of the last three and a half years. I think it's very fascinating to talk about because people, people love talking about you know, speculation of the mark of the beast. I think it's important to get out there what the Bible says the mark of the beast is and what people can expect during the last three and a half years because it's going to be brutal. So it's an amazing time in history that the second coming of Christ, all believers look forward to this. Not only does God put a stop to evil at this time, but Jesus is going to restore the earth and reign from the earth for a thousand years. Like, how amazing is that to have King Jesus ruling and reigning on the earth? Like, it's going to be paradise on earth, basically. Um, It also says that the people who were, I'm not sure how to exactly, this is paraphrasing, of course, but um, it actually says that the tribulation saints, people from the rapture, the Old Testament saints, they're going to be given authority to help Jesus rule on the earth. So I think that's incredible too. Um, But the next episode, I'm going to get into more of what the 1000 year millennial reign is going to look like according to the Bible, Um, what the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem that God creates during this time. So a lot of people don't realize heaven's not our final destination. We actually are going to dwell with God for all eternity in the new Jerusalem which is a beautiful place that God makes. And it it says in the book of Revelation, it comes down from heaven um, as a bride, you know, adorned for her husband. And that's where we're going to live for eternity with Jesus after this 1000 year millennial reign. So we'll dive more into that. We're going to talk more about um, what a sin free earth is going to look like. It's going to be so cool. 
Granted, there are still going to be people that are born during this time that will have the innate sin nature, but us with our glorified bodies, we're going to be completely free of sin nature, which is absolutely incredible. So we're going to talk more about that in the next episode. But for now, I'm going to say goodbye and see you next time. Thank you guys for being here.